Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. As many of you have probably heard, a black man drove his Ford SUV into a crowd gathered to watch a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Sunday. I am not going to get into great detail of the tragedy today on the podcast, but I do want to go into what is occurring to make things like this possible. Now, Daryl Brooks, 39, is the subject in police custody that is suspected of an attack at a traditional Christmas parade that killed five people and injured at least 48 near Milwaukee. The injured included at least 18 children who suffered facial abrasions, broken bones, and serious head injuries and were taken to Wisconsin Children's Hospital in Milwaukee. Now, six were listed in critical condition, officials said, and at least two of the children were since discharged from the hospital. That's the good news. But the bad news is the five casualties who ranged in age from 52 to 81 included some members of the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies parade group. But as I said, I don't want to get too in-depth into the actual crime. I want to talk about what led up to this and other tragedies that are happening, particularly in our big cities today. You see, this was not the only tragedy that has happened recently. People are being killed every day, and and the numbers are just rising. So why are these tragedies happening more and more? Well, the DA of Waukesha, Wisconsin, predicted this would happen. And he said that it is the price we must pay to be woke. Yes, John Chisholm, the the progressive Waukesha district attorney, said of nonviolent offenders in 2007, quote, is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach, end of quote. So you see, (laughs) he knows that this type of thing is going to happen because of his policies that he's putting into place. And he says, but it doesn't matter. My approach, my policies are not going to change. Now, Chisholm made those um, assertions in an interview with Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in 2007, as I said, the year that he was elected. Chisholm's uh, uh, premonition came true in 2013, actually, uh, even before this last Sunday's, uh, when convicted drug dealer Jeremiah Schroeder, he was 35, was let out on a deferred uh, prosecution and um, injected he, he injected a fatal dose of heroin into Cassandra Lutz, a 26-year-old woman. Now, the New York Post and the Washington Free Beacon report that when we pay too little attention to the underlying causes and characteristics of individuals in the criminal justice system, we make significant errors which can lead to greater problems. 
This is Milwaukee County District Attorney John uh, Chisholm, which is the, the one that uh, I was just talking about. He wrote that in a 2019 paper about criminal justice reform. Now, that was before Chisholm conceded Monday that, that he had set an inappropriate low bail amount earlier this month when Daryl Edward Brooks Jr., the, the lead suspect in Sunday's deadly car rampage in, in Wisconsin, was arrested for domestic abuse and eluding police. Now, Chisholm ha- has been a leading figure among progressive prosecutors, left-wing law- lawmen who favor uh, diversionary programs and community building to locking up criminal defendants. His handling of the Brooks case is already sparking blowback, though, to uh, their their growing influence over the, the judicial system, which uh, much of which has been um, booted by, you know, financial institutions from the left-wing billionaire uh, George Soros. He's the one that's backing these guys' campaigns. Now, Chisholm, who was elected in 2007, supports referrals for some misdemeanors and low-level felonies in order to cut down on incarcerations. And he's taken credit for inspiring a new wave of prosecutors in cities like San Francisco, St. Louis, and Philadelphia, among others, who have incarcerated similar reforms, or enacted, actually, similar reforms. Um, He he, uh, congratulates San Francisco District Attorney uh, Chesa uh, Bolden, Bolden, uh, who, following his election in 2019, and the the, the pair spoke at a former, uh, at a forum earlier this year on the the status of progressive prosecutor movement. Now, <laughs> this is a movement they're calling it of progressive prosecutors, and they actually had a forum where these guys spoke, and and Chisholm and and other uh, progressive uh, su- support reforms uh, to the cash bail system, which they say criminalizes poverty. I know that we're, we'll try to link up the, 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 the ends here in, in just a moment. Now, he has enacted um, and acknowledged that his reform-minded approach could put murderers back on the street of Milwaukee. And the Milwaukee DA said his office recommended $1,000 bail for Brooks following his arrest on November 5th on charges that he punched his girlfriend in the face and hit her with his vehicle in a gas station parking lot. The woman is identified only by her initials on court papers, which indicated that they have a child together. And Brooks was also charged with eluding police officers when they arrived to take him into custody. Now, Brooks' release November 11th is not the first time he has been freed after prosecutors lowered his bail. Brooks whose criminal rap sheet dates back to 1999, was released from jail in February after posting $500 bail on charges of reckless endangerment and felony possession of a firearm. Brooks's bail was initially set at $10,000, but was drastically lowered because the case was put on hold due to a backlog created by the pandemic, they say. There's also 
I mean, they they may say it was you know pandemic related, but they have taken the 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 system of bail out of the hands of judges there. And what they basically say is that you you can only look at their flight risk and nothing else when it comes to setting bail. So they've taken it out of the hands of the judges. Now, court records show that Brooks has two open felony cases in Milwaukee County, both of which involve violent crimes. One is the domestic abuse um, incident, which occurred November 2nd, and the other dates back to July 2020, when Brooks had his, uh, his fist fight with his nephew over an old cell phone at his grandmother's house. Now, Brooks fired a 9 millimeter Beretta at his nephew's car as he drove away from the house. And he was arrested with the gun and a small amount of meth. Now, a search of Wisconsin court records shows Brooks had been charged in Milwaukee County for crimes ranging from marijuana possession to domestic abuse to to weapon violations since 2011. Now, Chisholm uh, has won favorable attention from left-wing criminal justice reformers for telling prosecutors and public defenders and community leaders to work together to develop community-oriented practices that range from anti-racism initiatives to diversionary programs for uh, offenders they judge to be low risk. So they're they're now becoming the judge and whether or not they're high risk, low risk, or somewhere in between. Now, punishment is, and this this is a quote, punishment is appropriate only when it advances a um, preventative or remedial purpose, is what he writes. He later says that punishment should never be the principal objective of a given defendant's case. Are you hearing this? (laughs) That punishment should never be the principal objective of a given defendant's case, even in cases which threaten public health and safety in such primary ways that punishment is a key component of the response. Now, anyone who has ever had kids knows that punishment is an appropriate response when it comes to providing consequences for poor decisions, right? But he's saying that as a prosecutor, we shouldn't really look too much at what the punishment should be. And then we wonder why bad things are happening there. But as as I said earlier, this is not the only tragedy that is happening because of these progressive policies. After a registered sex offender was arrested twice in three days on felony charges in Northern Virginia, the local leaders uh, are, are wondering what it takes to land a criminal behind bars when lenient prosecutors backed by George Soros are administering justice or lack thereof. The serial CVS bandit, his his name is Kareem Clayton and he's 44, has a seedy criminal history ranging from menacing a CVS employee with a knife to leading police on high-speed chase uh, on a major uh, regional thoroughfare. 
but Fairfax County Prosecutor Steve DeSanto and uh, Arlington County Prosecutor Parisa Deonti uh, Tafty, <laughs> like I say, I, I know I'm going to slaughter that name, but if you live in the area, you know how to pronounce it, uh, who th- this person cruised to victory, but actually both of them cruised to victory with six-figure donations from Soros have brought charges against Clayton at least a dozen times between them, only to abandon their cases or plead him out on a a paltry misdemeanor with uh, almost no jail time. Quote, radical leftist prosecutors like Steve and Parisa do not represent the public or crime victims. And this is this was uh, said by Sean Kennedy. He's the president of Virginians for Safe, Safe Communities. He said, quote, their, um, uh, their, their allegation and their, and their lies with uh, their, their allegiances, a lie with criminal defendants first, last, and always. And I would agree that these are like, they're, they're acting like, like defense lawyers, not prosecutors. And thus far, Clayton's twin arrests in the, the last week of September have netted him only three months in prison. Three months. He was arrested for assault and battery on Sunday, September 26th in Fairfax County and released on bail Monday morning, according to Virginia court records. The case has not been resolved. And authorities arrested Clayton the very next day in Arlington County for stealing from a CVS. A court a court record show Clayton was sentenced to 12 months in jail after uh, Dahani Tafty office pled him down to a misdemeanor for the CVS robbery, and he can serve nine of those months on probation. However meaning that he'll spend maybe 90 days behind bars. On a separate occasion, in June of 2020, Clayton robbed a CVS in, in Virginia in broad daylight. Clayton fled in, in a uh, 2016 Dodge journey and led authorities on an extended chase with speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour. The chase ended with Clayton crashing in Arlington and Clayton faced a felony um, eluding the and and disregarding police charge which of course DeSanto's office pled down to a misdemeanor in September of 2020 according to court court records now he was sentenced to 180 days in prison but could log up to 170 of them on probation he also faced a felony assault on law enforcement charge arising from the event, uh, according to the DA's office, which has now abandoned the September 2020 charge. Now, apart from this Northern Virginia crime spree, Clayton registered as a sex offender in Washington, D.C., following a 2015 conviction for abuse of a child. He lives one-third of a mile from an elementary school, according to the home address listed on the the sex offender registry. 
He's been prosecuted in D.C. courts for driving under the influence, tampering with a GPS ankle monitor, and was required to that he was required to wear as a condition of his parole. And, as ever, of course, robbing a CVC. <laughs> Shocker, right? Well, Soros's Judge, Justice, and Public Safety Pack donated more than $600,000 each to both of those T, uh, DA campaigns. Now, Soros's, um, has, has, Soros has, has also bankrolled successful um, campaigns uh, for uh, prosecutions in Loudoun County <laughs> and Norfolk, Virginia, as well as others. Now, Zach Smith, a, a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation and a former federal prosecutor, told the Washington Free Beacon that Clayton um, typifies enforcement patterns that have trickled down uh, and to uh, law enforcement. He says, quote, I suspect a large number of crimes simply aren't being captured because police aren't going to make arrests, Smith said. They're not going to waste their limited resources arresting someone for a crime that, that they know the prosecutor won't prosecute and where they know the person will be released from jail almost instantly. And in fact, the problem gets worse. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, LawEnforcementToday.com uh, said this. He says, for those of us who work or who have worked in criminal justice system, the current crop of progressive prosecutors presents a huge problem. In cities from Boston and Philadelphia to St. Louis and San Francisco, prosecutors or district attorneys who were helped into office by George Soros money are turn, turning the system on its head. And that's not a good thing. In a report on uh, ABC's Nightline, the outlet examined some of the new generation, as they put it, of law enforcement officials. Kim Gardner is the uh, circuit attorney uh, in St. Louis. And if, if you don't remember who she is, she's the one who charged a St. Louis couple, uh, the McClowskis, um, when they defended themselves from a, quote, peaceful, unquote, protesters who broke onto their property a few months back in, in the midst of the George Floyd, uh, riot, I mean, uh, protests. <laughs> Apparently, considering herself somewhat of a poet, she spoke to ABC about trying times. She said, quote, it's a trying time we have right now. We have people dying because of this pandemic we're in. We have people suffering, and we had a pandemic in the city of St. Louis prior to COVID-19. It's hopelessness, is what she said. That hopelessness is, of course, because of the police. That's according to her. Uh, St. Louis is one of the most violent cities in the country, and the Homicide levels are at a 20-year high. She noted that the city is 50% white, and yet 75% of people arrested in the city are people of color. Now, common sense would dictate that that's, that's the case, that, that, that people of color offend at a higher rate than whites, which, of course, has been backed up repeatedly by the FBI Uniform Crime Report statistics. But you know, you've, you've heard of, of the squad, right? Well, you know the extreme 
left members of, of Congress who are trying to fundamentally change the country. They call themselves the squad. Well, let's, let's just call this the DA squad, which is a group of far left progressives that have managed to insert themselves into district attorney and prosecutor's offices across the U.S. They are trying to accomplish basically the same thing. Like Gardner said, uh, so-called broke systems are what push her, uh, pushed her into office. Uh, Jamila Hodge is, is the director of the reshaping prosecution program at a very institute of justice. And she said this, she said, quote, people who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution. It literally is flipping the role of the prosecutor on its head. Now, <laughs> if the role of the prosecutor is to bring charges and to keep people safe and to bring justice to those that, that, that deserve it, then if we're flipping that role on its head, then we're going to be on the side of those that commit those crimes as a DA and as a prosecutor. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Now in Boston, Suffolk County DA Rachel Rollins is part of the progressive DA squad and, and refers to Gardner and other female DAs down, down for the revolution as sisters in the fight. Rollins told Nightline that she was really tired of continually hearing about deadly confrontations between police officers and overwhelmingly black males. But in, of course, instead of doing something about the, the problem of, of the black male, in this case, doing a lot of uh, violent crimes, you know, what, what she wants to do is go after the prosecution. She said, quote, people were losing their lives. And what does not necessarily mean one is right and one is wrong? Well, yeah, it does. But there was just too much of a pattern, she said. Well, yeah, let's do something about that pattern, not something about the police or the prosecution. When she ran for office, Rollins pledged to stop pro prosecuting nonviolent crimes from 15 different categories where she claimed the people have a substance abuse disorder or mental health issues or food or housing insecurities or are homeless. In other words, they have a reason to shoplift or commit other crimes, you see. So if, if they fall into those categories, we're not going to prosecute those people. Among strategies, she has um, a, a diversion program and she's trying to eliminate cash bail. Unlike some of her counterparts, Rollins doesn't say that the criminal justice system is broken. Rather, she says it works exactly how it's designed to work. She also believes that the system is rigged for the privileged. Okay. Quote, wealth is the biggest thing that benefits you in this system. Irrespective of race, gender, national origin, or anything, if you can pay you can get better outcome, Rollins said. I'm just saying, let's, let's let everyone have the same experience in the Christen, uh, criminal justice system. Yeah, yeah, the same experience, like not experiencing it, right? <laughs> Letting you go free. Historically, prosecutors and the criminal justice system have been oriented toward victims, whereas in the case of Gardner, Rollin, uh, Rollins and progressives, the criminals seem to be a priority instead. Rollins, however, doesn't think that's mutually exclusive. So yeah, again, they're just taking the side of the criminal. 
Rollins clearly doesn't care for police and pretty much downplays their concerns. She claims the reason police are not happy with how she's running her office is because they are deeply invested in the system, working exactly the way that it does, because it benefits them and their families, unquote. Okay, there it is, the race card. (laughs) And of course, they claim that this is about race, because... It's always about race, right? Hodge said for, this is a quote, for the power not to be in the hands of white men where it has traditionally been, a lot of this has to do with the fact that this power has now shifted to someone who does not look like the traditional power holders. These are people who do not look like the leadership of our police unions, the leadership of most of the police departments, who do not look like like what most of our judges on the bench look like, who are different and who's bringing a different viewpoint and a different understanding and then aren't just bringing that, but are willing to act on it, is what she said. Now, Gardner said, when you invest in people, that's how you heal communities and need healing and respect the most. When you invest in more programs to address the hopelessness, the helplessness, what we see, that's the long-term violent crime solution. That's doing the hard work. Now, in Gardner's case, the long-term violent crime solution appears to be letting criminals out of jail without charging them. So that's, that's her solution. Now, in June, Gardner released all of the rioters and looters involved in the violent riots in the city of St. Louis post the George Floyd uh, incident. Uh, This after four St. Louis police officers were shot and retired St. Louis Police Department Captain David Dorn was gunned down on the street in cold blood. But hey, they apparently addressed addressed the, the hopelessness and the helplessness, right? So, so not to be left out of the bad idea train, (laughs) President Biden is getting in on the act. As the country faces an unprecedented murder spike, President Joe Biden is claiming that eliminating cash bail for violent criminals is critical to promoting gender uh, equity and equality. A 42-page report from the White House Gender Policy Council entitled the nation the national strategy on gender equity and equality outlines a whole of government approach to ending so-called inequities between men women and transgender people among the critical steps necessary for remedy disparities between these groups the white house alleges it is working to overturn cash bail a legal mechanism that proponents say help keep violent criminals off the street. Well, we are, we will work to end cash bail and reform our pretrial system, recognizing the harm these proxies cause, particularly for black women and families, the report says. Now, cash bail, you have to understand. So what, what they're saying is that if you're then brought into um, jail and suspected of a crime. And then, and then right now the system that we have in most places is that you can post bail and you can then not have to stay in, in prison until your trial is over. 
well, the cash bail system is what they want to do away with. They just want you want to be able to just release you without having to post any bail. According to FBI data, the country saw a nearly 30% increase in homicides in 2020. Such a jump was the largest in one year since the federal government started collecting crime statistics in 1960. Overall, crime, violent crime increased 5%. Advocates of, of maintaining the cash bail policies point to cities such as Chicago and New York City, which eliminated the practice for most offenses and saw murders shooting up and rising above national average. One study by researchers at Stanford, Harvard, and Princeton universities concluded the pretrial release increases the likelihood of arrest before offenders' trial by 37%, as well as the chance of the criminal missing his court date. Yeah, imagine that, right? The dramatic overhaul in the criminal system outlined in the report extends to supporting the development of restorative justice and other alternatives to the criminal justice response. It's just absolutely incredible. Now, it boils down to this. These progressive DAs are literally killing people with their policies. They don't want people put in, in into jail. I mean, unless you, unless they don't agree with your your politics, and so they elect prosecutors that that don't prosecute. We will continue to see more and more tragedies happen because of these leftists that, instead of doing their job to to punish evil uh, doers, they they take their side instead. Romans 13.4 is talking about government authority and says, For she is God's servant to, uh, for your good. But, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the evildoer. This is not what is happening here with these woke DAs. And you may agree, you may disagree, would definitely love to hear from you on this. And of course, you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.